This is episode 145, The Power of Positivity with Chelsea Davis. My name is Tudor Alexander, and this is the Dance of Life podcast. Every week, my goal is to inspire you to take action towards what you love, live a transformed life, and enjoy the journey there. Are you ready? Let's go. What's up, what's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me. You know, Walt Disney once said, all our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. And I absolutely love this quote for today's episode because we're about to talk about the importance of a positive mindset in everything that you do. My inspiring guest today is Chelsea Davis. She is our ABC 15 smart shopper and morning traffic anchor here in Phoenix, Arizona. But she was a professional NFL cheerleader for the Arizona Cardinals for five years, during which she was a captain for two out of her five seasons and was part of the show team performing for troops all across the country and the world. Chelsea was also one of 26 women across the entire National Football League to be selected as the 2014 Pro Bowl cheerleader, representing Arizona and Hawaii. Since then, Chelsea's created successful franchises at news stations across Arizona and in Dallas, changing lives one story at a time. In addition to her smart shopper and being a traffic anchor, she's currently a leadership champion at her station, which is basically her and three other people were selected for this important position to boost morale and culture for all the employees and break down specific leadership practices that will help professionally and personally. Chelsea's Instagram is at Chelsea K Davis. That's spelled C-H-E-L-S-E-Y-K-D-A-V-I-S. All this stuff will be on the show notes for this episode. And you can also check her out at ChelseaDavisTV.com. If you're here locally in Arizona, you get a lot of cool special deals through the Smart Shopper. So make sure you check that out. It's ABC15.com slash Smart Shopper. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the power of positivity. First off, Chelsea is a super positive person in my life, so I couldn't wait to get her on the mic. But, you know, positivity in general, having that positive mindset is so important for everything, you know, from health to wealth, your relationships, managing your stress, your business, being motivated, being productive. I mean, you name it, an attitude and mindset are so critical. That's why I wrote that book, The Gratitude Map, because for me, in my own pursuit of success, uh, you know, finding and appreciating the things along the way was such a critical part. It's so easy for your mind to run away on you. That's why having a positive mindset is so, so important. So I'm super excited to share Chelsea's vibrant personality with you in this episode. So let's jump in and get a dose of the power of positivity. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Tudor Alexander. Thank you so much for joining me today. My inspiring and awesome, awesome guest is Chelsea. What's up, Chelsea? Hi, Tudor. Oh my gosh, I have to say that was the best intro ever. And fist pump dancing with you was know, also a highlight I, of the like, day. I'm like, you know what? I got to get myself <laughs> pumped every time I do these shows. Yes. So it's, it's all about getting that excitement, right? I mean, so true. You know, today, Chelsea Davis, my guest, we're talking about the power of positivity and we're just talking here off the air like you are such a positive person Aww, we've known each other you. now for what like a, like a year and a half two years something yeah. like that right yeah about then we were part of that uh local dancing with the stars event where uh where you competed in the show and everything yeah, and, and it was so special and dancing with all yeah. of you was a blast and i also got to do it for my grandma and she's awesome. uh, she has kidney failure so it was oh, nice wow. to be dancing for her and she actually got to come and watch us dance and later oh, cool. that night she came out onto the stage with us so it was a good time yeah, I didn't know that, actually. You know, so many people have... This was a local event, basically, if you don't know. This was a Dancing for the Stars for the Arizona Kidney Foundation that we do every year, and where people sign up to basically do, like the show, Dancing with the Stars, and uh, Chelsea was a big part of it. So, But th I didn't realize how many people suffer from kidney kidney problems, kidney failure. It was such a big big disease, such a big problem. But right. And a lot sense, of times yeah. at those events, we'll even ask the crowd, you know, raise your hand or by a round of applause, how many mm. of you have been affected by this? And it's almost 100% every single time. So it's really amazing that we get to be part of it. I had so much fun. We need yeah. to dance again. Absolutely. For sure. I mean, every year it's, it's a whole different story. For me, one of the biggest things that I get to do is 
work with somebody, you know, like, like yourself that comes in and, uh, and has a story or something meaningful to them that they can express through, through movement, through dancing, you know, that's just so inspiring. Totally. Every time I know it's like some, one year I had this lady who, um, it was like her, the song that she picked was like the song that reminded her of her dad when she was a little girl and he was the first one who taught her how to dance and stuff. So, and he passed away, I think from some kidney problem too. So, you know, these kind of things are really special things to be part of. So it's so special. Ours was more playful. It was like, I'm a lady boss. And I was (laughs) like, cause my grandma is a lady (laughs) boss. So we're going to dance today. It was so much fun, but it really is so great. Even for people who don't dance just to go out and put themselves in those situations because either a you're stepping outside of your comfort zone or B you're just going out there to reconnect with your soul. And it's so special. So thank you for giving people the opportunity. (laughs) So fun. Thank you so much. You know, it's, it's one thing I think is a good lead in is, you know, we, throughout knowing you in the last year and a half, obviously we're friends on Facebook and, you know, we we get to see each other's lives to some degree. I see so much positivity coming from you. And I'm like, you you know what, when I was thinking about my next round of interviews that I want to get people on this show, it's really about inspiring people. And I, I really thought we could have an awesome conversation about the power and importance of being positive. You know, it sounds cliche, power of positivity. You know, it's yeah. gotten, that word has gotten overused, but I think that there is some strength to it in the sense of keeping ourselves continually positive in life. It's so important, right? To, to have that continual attitude. It's really attitude important. Attitude and all that stuff that we talk about, but. Right. Because no matter what season you're in, you're going to be faced with adversity. So the way that you deal with it will shape who you will become. Hmm. So for me, I think the power of positivity is a perfect title because it's powerful. And I don't think people realize it. I think sometimes hmm. people may look at somebody who's overly positive and think, well, they're out of touch and not really yeah, with the world. <laughs> yeah, what is wrong with this person? <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's always more refreshing to be around somebody who has that perspective yeah, because it offers one that they might not see themselves. So the positivity that I have kind of stems from my life. Um, growing up here, Arizona native, second generation, which Ooh. is very rare. <laughs> woo woo! I know a lot of people are like, it's the melting pot. And I'm like, well, you know how people are proud to be from Texas. I'm proud to be from Arizona. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah. Arizona is actually beautiful. You know, there's so much so diversity beautiful. here. I used to think that it's all about desert. Totally. There's so much diversity in terms of like climate and different uh, terrain and things to hike. It's it's really a beautiful state. If you right. Go two hours up north and you could play in the snow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good time. It's, it's beautiful. It's perfect here. If we had an ocean, then it would really be paradise. Well, side note, yeah. when we were in <laughs> we Hawaii. Might, with all these earthquakes going on. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, maybe we don't want that. But uh, my husband and I went to Hawaii and we were there a couple years ago. And while we were there, we told people where we were from and they were like, oh my gosh, Arizona, that's paradise. And I'm like, mm. wait a second. You're from Hawaii and you just said Arizona's paradise. So <laughs> if you've never been to Arizona, please come visit. It's so special. Grass is always greener on the other side. Yeah, I know. know, I'm sure, right? People who live there probably every day think that something is exotic, like cactus is super exotic. Oh, totally. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. It's hard to pronounce saguaro when you move here. Yeah. It's like all kinds of things. It's lots of fun. What did, you know, what, you you mentioned something about kind of in your own life growing up here. What, What were some things that really, were you always just really positive person in general? I mean, like every time I... I read something from you or I see you in life. You're just always so jovial, always full of energy. Were you always that way? Were Thank you. you. Um, and yes. Yes. I have okay. always so there's been a gene. We high on get, life. I know, right? Can this be passed get down? Your gene. I hope so. I'm not sure. <laughs> no. Um, so growing up out here, my dad was always on the radio. And he still is. So it's really fun to listen to him. And I feel like because now I'm on TV, I've kind of followed in his broadcast footsteps, if you will. But um, I started dancing when I was three. Mm -hmm. I started cheering when I was five. And so, you know, once you get into cheer, cheerleaders need cheerleaders, too. So don't get me wrong. Not Mm. every cheerleader is always high on life. but, But I think that kind of helped shape my perspective of things. I was always in leadership roles, even at a young age in elementary school for student council. I was student council president all the way from sixth grade, all the way up through my senior year in high school when I was student body president. And I would take on all of these outside responsibilities. And I think because of that and putting myself in other situations where I could serve a community, always doing something that was greater than myself, I think that kind of helped shape the positivity. Mm. My parents totally set the tone. So my dad is 
very similar in the way that he's like, we can do anything in life. You know, the sky's the limit when your heart is in it. And he would always tell me things like that. Mm -hmm. And my mom was a perfect balance because she would be like, okay, but when you achieve all those things, I got to keep you grounded. She's the the pragmatic one, the more realist. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what teamwork makes a dream work, right? So totally. So they kind of planted those seeds for Mm. me. And then growing up out here, since I was involved in so many different things, I was also on varsity cheer in high school, which I'm, you know, People wouldn't be surprised to hear me say, go Coyotes, because I love my Centennial High School on the west side of town. Um, But my freshman year, I wanted to have tumbling down. So when I auditioned again, I would have something that would kind of make me stand out from everybody. So I was getting ready to go to this private one-on-one session. It was going to be like 30 minutes. For tumbling. For tumbling. Mm -hmm. And I had been tumbling in a really long time. And so, you know, in gymnastics world, once you're with your coach or whoever's leading you, they'll say, okay, you're going to do this pass, meaning, hey, let's have you run across and do like a round off back handspring, aka like flip through the air. Mm -hmm. And when they say go, you just kind of do it. So before we even got there, I was telling my mom it was spirit week. So it was pirate day. You can imagine like everybody at high school all dressed, dressed up, up like a pirate, <laughs> dressed up like pirates. So I have like really thick eyeliner on and just everything. But I told her before we even went, something in my gut was telling me that we shouldn't go. And she was like, you know, uh, to go to this gymnastics yeah. session. Yeah. And I, so she was saying, well, you know what? We already paid. We're going to go. We'll take film. So that way you can watch to see, are you setting high enough? Do you mm. need more power in your legs? And that way you can do all these notes so that you can improve for next time. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. So we go. And it was the last tumbling pass of the night. And something went wrong. And the guy who I'd never worked with before didn't spot me. And so I literally was upside down in a tuck. And landed straight down on my neck. And I broke my neck. So I, in that moment, I landed on my neck. So my arms were like crossed as if I was tucking in the air. But when I landed on my neck, my body kind of rolled over itself. So I was laying flat on my back on the ground. My arms were crossed as if I was like a mummy in a tomb or a vampire in a tomb. But my hands looked like talons of of a bird. Like they were like in these weird shapes. I couldn't open my eyes for like 20 minutes and I couldn't feel anything from my shoulders down, but my legs were kicking. So my parents obviously are freaking out. We called the ambulance. They came. I'm on the stretcher. And then at that point, since I could open my eyes and I'm realizing like, okay, I have a serious injury, I felt bad because (laughs) there were other people in the gym and little kids were tumbling and I probably just scared the living daylights out of them. <laughs> so I tried to like, you know, in true bring it on fashion, be like, don't worry, guys, I'll be back That's next okay. week. I'm, good. I'm fine. You know, as they're taking me away. But ended up being a very serious injury. So wow. I had, how old were you? I was 15. 15. So I had, you know, these hairline fractures from C3 to C8 in my spine, yeah. which is basically like kind of if you just... Nick. Totally. If you touched your shoulders from side to side and went right in the middle, that's where the injury was. And so I had a chest wall contusion, a concussion, just everything. Wow. And so we went and got an MRI done. And normally doctors aren't supposed to say anything when you get those tests done. But they looked at us and said, you're going to be getting a phone call. So we got a call from an emergency surgeon and they were like, we either need to fuse your neck together or we need to put you in this neck brace and get you into therapy and try to do it a natural way. So we chose the neck brace. So I wore that thing for about three months. And that's also hard to do when you're going into high school. (laughs) So this is the end of my freshman year. And I... How was that for you? I mean, did you feel that that altered your social relationships for that period of time? I mean, did you feel ostracized at all or did you feel... I mean... Interestingly enough, I did not. Hmm. There were a lot of people who supportive. I th- who were super supportive. And of course, there were also the playful people that would tap on my shoulder. But right, because right. I can't turn my neck to look at them, I'd have to <laughs> like completely rotate around in my chair to see who it was. So there were playful things like that. But I yeah. think the hardest part for me was some of your independence was taken away. Mm. So because I had kind of torn all of my neck muscles and shoulder muscles, I couldn't carry my own binders. So people would have to carry my stuff for me at school. I wasn't strong enough at first to even Mm. like pull up my pants after going to the bathroom. So I'd have to help a girlfriend help me. So there were a lot of things like that. So it took some time to get used to it. But immediately I just figured, you know what, if this is 
my situation right now. I'm going to bling out my neck brace. And so I put bling all over that thing. I had hearts all over it because my nickname is Chelsea Loves You. So we went all out with that. And I even wore it to prom. Like, I mean, it just became a thing. Um, But I was really grateful because even though I still have some issues from that, Mm -hmm. um, I was still able to kind of take everything the doctors would say with a grain of salt, you know, things like you won't be able to dance, you won't be able to run, you won't be able to pole vault. Mm -hmm. I used to do track, you know, there were a lot of things that I still can't do now, but I always joke later that after all of the healing process, I still had one of the best head whips in the NFL because I went on (laughs) to cheer for the Arizona Cardinals. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I really think your mind is stronger than your body sometimes. Yeah, So, so that was like a crazy experience my freshman year. Hmm. And then my senior year, um, I had a blood clot in my lung. So this is three years later, totally unrelated. And I was still cheering, still dancing, doing everything while I was in high school. And we had a dance recital that we were getting ready for. So we were doing this practice. But all day long, my back was hurting so bad that it felt like somebody was stabbing me in the back and I was trying to breathe out of a straw. So any breath that I would take in was just so painful. So I went to the trainer because I thought, you know, maybe from stunting with cheer because I was a flyer, you know, they had dropped me a couple times Mm -hmm. by accident. Maybe that was something that could be the cause. And they said, no, you need to go to the ER. And so we went there. Originally, the ER said, oh, you have pneumonia. You guys just take these medicine that, you know, we had a steroid and then also kind of like painkiller type stuff. And they said, here, we'll give this to you. You can take it. You're going to feel great in about a week or so. And my mom even asked, well, we're getting ready to go to Disneyland. Can we still go? Will she be okay? And they were like, yeah, she'll be totally fine. So a couple of days later, it got so severely worse. I wasn't sleeping at all. And it got to the point where I literally couldn't breathe. So my parents like carried me, rushed me to the ER again. I joked later with people, if you ever need to go to the ER and you need to get in right away, just tell people you can't breathe. They'll take you right back. No, I'm just kidding. That's terrible to say, but it's true. Um, so they got us back. And so they in, um, put this kind of like dye into my body. So oh, that yeah. way, so they can the contrast. Yeah. Exactly. So when we went and did the imaging, we were actually able to see that I had a blood clot and it was cutting off the lower lobe of my right lung. Wow. So they admitted me right away. And because of the placement of it, they couldn't do surgery. So they were like, we're going to have to try to do this with blood thinners. We need to keep your heart rate down. And so it was a whole thing. And so every day that I was in there for about six and a half days, I was in there. But the first three, I really was like a ghost or shell of myself. And I I remember telling my parents was just, I can't even imagine what they were feeling as a parent, mm. because obviously they were staying with me every single night on an air mattress. And I'm so grateful for that. My brothers, Jeez. everybody. But I remember telling them and like holding my mom's hand and like whispering to her that I was going to die that night. Like I just knew it. And it was wild because my family was all in there and they were saying prayers and we had so many people visit at the time too. But everybody left the room and it was just me by myself. And I swear that I feel like I saw a silhouette of Jesus at the end of my bed. Wow. And after that moment, I felt like I was flaked. I'm initially faced with this decision, like, am I staying or am I going? Hmm. And after that moment, it was like, no, you need to stay because you have a greater purpose to fulfill and we're going to fix this. Hmm. And so my family came back in, but I was already falling asleep that night. I woke up the next day. I was able to talk. I could walk. I could eat on my own. I was able to begin to yawn and laugh, like simple things. Like you think about yawning and taking deep breaths that you totally take for granted. And I, you know, I like to tell people like cherish all of these moments because I know what it feels like to actually have your breath taken away. Hmm. So my mom was amazing during the whole process. She had a little book that people normally take to Disneyland if you're getting autographs by like Cinderella or Mickey Mouse. (laughs) Hmm. And she had everybody who came and visited sign in. So that way I would remember because the first few days I was there, I had no idea what was going on. Mm -hmm. I was so out of it. So I went through, I was looking at everybody's signatures. All of my friends were still there that would come by. We had the show choir come and they were singing Christmas carols. This was really close to the holidays. We were also supposed to be doing that dance concert, which is initially what we were practicing for. And the group knew that I wouldn't be able to perform, which I was really sad because I had a solo that 
I wrote a poem about changing the world and had somebody track their voice like they were rapping it and mm-hmm, I danced mm-hmm. to just the voice. Oh, cool. So I was so excited to go do this recital, but I couldn't make it because oh, I was sitting man. in the hospital bed still. So the performance dancers came in and they performed for me in my room. Oh. So it was really special. The last night of the concert, I was able to make it there. They wheelchaired me in. I got to sit and watch a show and... I always tell people we were doing Thriller because obviously we have to do a Michael Jackson classic. Um, but everybody had their faces kind of like painted ghostly white. Mm-hmm. Well, my face was that white. You already. Because white. of the trauma of everything that I had yeah. been through. I, my cheeks hadn't been flushed yet. So I went and I watched the dance concert. And for the first time, I finally had rosy cheeks again. Wow. Because it was the power of dance. <laughs> so by the second semester, it was just a whirlwind of emotions because I finally got to do my dance. And it was amazing. So they performed it again the next semester. Yeah. So I got to go up there and do my solo. And it was wow. as if no time had passed. And it was supposed to be then and there. So it was very special. So I think those two situations have completely shaped my outlook on life, mm. even though obviously I loved life before, but I love it even more yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> but to get you in tune, I mean, you know, I, I've had a lot of similar situations too, and I'm sure people can relate that are listening to it. But, you know, it's funny because th- there is a point to that too, because on on one level, I can relate to you because I've had similar situations where some sort of health crisis usually or something like that has, you know, dr- drastically changed your quality of life temporarily, thank God. And, you know, it makes you really appreciative of something, like you said, like breathing or yawning, you know, it's like, holy smokes, wow, breathing is such a cool thing. Yeah. And, but at the same time, you also see people that, that don't utilize, I call it being resourceful in the sense that if you utilize failure or trauma or these situations in life that, that uh, throw you back, quote unquote, as resources, as opportunities to learn totally. and grow. So what is the difference? I mean, what, you know, because you could, for, for example, you could be very well, we could say, let's say in another dimension, in an alternate dimension. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, if the, if such a thing exists, but there's a negative Chelsea somewhere where she grew up and, you know, she had all these opportunities and then, you know, you go through these situations and you just become bitter and complain and, you know, that kind of thing. So what, totally. what's the difference? You know, what... What do you think, um, what what was the key factor or what are some things that helped you develop, I guess, this habit of seeing opportunity in failure, in in life circumstances that come in knocking at your door? I think people a lot of times, not to say play the victim, but don't realize that they have the power to kind of control their headline. Hmm. So in that moment, it wasn't my power. headline, I like that. Right? Like you know, news headline, pretty much. Totally. Like your, what is your headline that you're broadcasting? <laughs> well, and exactly. I mean, yeah. you are a, like a walking billboard of something. So mm. you're your own brand and you can put out this energy to change anything. And in that moment, it's different for everybody because obviously if it was my time to go, that's not my power to decide. Hmm. But in that moment, when I told my mom that I truly believed that I was going to die, I thought my headline was going to be, you know, high school girl who has the world loses it all. And then to realize that, no, I'm not going to be defined by this. This isn't my lasting legacy. I realized there's so many other headlines that we can create. Mm. And so I think once you kind of flip the mentality of, yeah, this is something that happened to me, but it doesn't define who I am. Mm -hmm. And I have the power to change this into something good for other people. Always making it about other people and impacting other people's lives takes any, you know, focus away from you, but in the best way possible. Hmm. So for me, I always tell people from that situation, whether you're a Christian or you're Jewish or you have any other faith, or even if you aren't sure if you have faith, for me, I like to say, I just like to follow my GPS, what I call God's plan for success. Hmm. And people say, you know, there are God winks and like little miracles that happen here and there. Hmm. But I think being present enough to witness them helps you understand what chapter is next and what headline you're going to see next or what you're going to be next. So in those situations, GPS is important. I like to kind of make things simpler. You know, um, I've heard some great messages like Pastor Ed Young. You simplify a word and make it into an acronym. So there is IDEA. So you have I-D-E-A. And so he was like, an idea is a dilemma that evolves into action. Hmm. So for me, I like to also think about the word ask action seeking knowledge. Hmm. And a lot of times I think we're all afraid to ask 
for something. So in certain situations, we might be afraid to ask for help or we might be able or we might be too afraid to ask for an opportunity hmm. because we kind of develop these phantom rules. And I know I've there are a lot of different ways that people describe these, but basically these are limitations that we put on ourselves. These yeah. are rules that don't exist, yeah. but that we kind of live our lives by. Yeah, like limiting beliefs, basically. Things that you believe that don't actually are true, but you believe them. Totally. Way. So if you are going through the process of playing the game of telephone and somebody says the line to the next person, they are going to say the line to the next person. It goes all the way down and the last person is supposed to relay the message. Well, if you play it and one person doesn't hear what one of the messages was, people automatically say or think it's not allowed for you to ask for them to repeat it. Hmm. But that wasn't actually said. That's a phantom rule that we've all created. Hmm. So obviously each game can have its own rules, but that's just an example yeah, of it. Yeah, it's an assumption. You, yeah. Either you're ashamed or feel guilty or feel bad in some way that you shouldn't ask, but it's never been stated. Totally. Yeah. So I think just focusing on eliminating whatever those phantom rules are for yourself um, and getting out of doing the same thing every single day, driving home differently, yeah. seeing, you know, maybe you could be driving home and you're listening to this right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you could be driving home and all of a sudden you're at a train track and, oh no, the arms went down and you're sitting there for 15, 20 minutes and you're thinking, oh, my head automatically goes to, dang, I am going to be so late to whatever I'm about to get to or mm -hmm. why is this happening? Instead, look at it as a blessing because maybe this gives you the opportunity to think about something you didn't get to or to hear a song that will move you emotionally or maybe it happened for a reason because if you would have kept going, maybe you would have been involved in a accident, crash ahead. Yeah. So I think it's just a matter of reframing everything and what chapter you're in and what headline you want your story to read. I love that headline idea. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and it's kind of funny, too, because it's like tutor, you know, hmm. like you're not just you. You're yeah. not just tutor. Right. You're like, I am this professional dancer. I'm an author. I am an inspiration and I'm doing this podcast. So when people would write a story about you, they're not going to just say my name tutor right. from whatever. See, even there, that's adding something from wherever you were born, you know? Right, yeah. Um, so for me, it's Chelsea from ABC 15 or Chelsea, former Arizona Cardinals cheerleader, Chelsea, mm. Brandon Hamilton's wife, you know, like it could some be all these different things. Some way to identify you in some way. Exactly. So you have the power to decide what that identifier mm. is. I love, got so many good things. You know, I love that story when you were, when you had the neck brace and you put rhinestones on it. Was, was it rhinestones? Yes, <laughs> I sure did. Because that's such a... It's such a great example of reframing it. You know, we talk about reframing a lot. And I think part of the big conversation, the underlying thing here is being able to consistently reframe life. You know, life happens. I, I recently went to this big uh, convention and I was reminded of these, you know, these little tools that we can use through language and how we talk to mm -hmm. really con consistently reframe. And one of the big ones was life happens for you, not to you. Right? Totally. So it's not it's not happening to me, it's happening for me. And just by flipping that one little word, right. it just it gives you a whole different feeling about it. We're so emotional with our words and our language. And yes. I think one thing that we don't realize is when we talk, even to ourselves silently, the way that we talk, uh, even down to those little words, the ones you use, like, you know, it can really shape how you feel. So in your own life, like what do you find let me put it this way, like how do you keep a good habit of reframing in your life? Like what do you, because ultimately it comes down to practice and habits. You have to make a totally. habit out of continually being the way you want to be. So mm -hmm. do you read particular books? Do you have a particular routine that you go through? Do you have certain things that you do throughout the day? Like what are your life rules? I must put it that way. You know, we talk about phantom rules and I think that there's a lot to be said also about life rules that you do have for yourself, whether they're... right positive or negative, just the rules that you have that, that help you continually be who you are totally. today. Like, what are your life rules? So many. I'm just going to be all over or the, the place. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> the okay, we got to we gotta limit this down, Chelsea. Yeah, um, well, even when we were setting up for this podcast, um, I jokingly said it to you, but I really mean it. I never say if, I say when. Hmm. So yeah, if you're right. really wanting something to happen, yeah. don't ever say if because you're putting it out into the universe that's that it's, true. that it may not happen. And if you plant that seed of doubt, then you're just destroying your opportunity. Absolutely. So getting rid of the if words and 
putting when in, um, I always like to say observe before you serve. Mm. So that's also something I live by. So in every single situation that I'm going into, I really pay close attention to the small details of whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I find where something's missing and then I fill it. And I think that that provides value to any situation that Mm. you're in. And observe before you serve could even be simple too. Like if you're with another person who's a stranger and you're just looking at them nearby, they seem a little upset. Look at everything else that they have with them. Do they have a special ring on? Do they have a certain kind of shirt that has a message on it? Mm. Try to connect with them somehow because I think that provides value. Mm -hmm. Um, Keep emotions intact before you react. That's another huge one. Mm -hmm. So... Whenever I go into my day, my mission every single day is to make somebody's life better. I just want to impact lives and be sunshine for people every Mm -hmm. single day. So if I am faced in a situation where, you know, I might be having a bad day, I don't want my bad feelings or bad energy to rub off on anybody else because that's not their problem. So I always try to remind myself, keep emotions intact before you react. And that could be even when situations happen to you or for you, depending on how we flip the words. How do you, yeah, how do you deal with with emotions? I mean, emotions are just such a continual battleground, I think, for everybody, you know, to, to be able to have that mastery, you yeah. know, to master your own emotions and your emotions reaction. Like, do you have, like, for example, I try to have like a two-minute rule, although I, I often break it, but I'm trying to basically, if I'm upset about something or if I want to complain, I'm, I'm no more than two minutes and then, you know, take action on it. Like just basically don't wallow, you know, it's like cut right. yourself off. Yeah. I don't want to repress it either at the same time. I'm yeah. not going to just shut off everything because then it'll express itself in a negative way. So what? Wh- how do you find that you, what's your go-to? Like, let's say you're having a crazy day. You feel yourself getting amped up. You feel those emotions. Like you're not able to kind of calm down. Like, what is it? Do you have anything that you do? Like, do you, do you take a breather? Do you meditate? Do you go outside? Like, what, it, what is it that, uh, that you do to bring yourself back down to that operating level? Or let's say you have a day that let's the first four hours are just terrible. Like everything goes off. Everybody, you know, <laughs> it's like just, Murphy's law. Yeah. Murphy's <laughs> law, right? Yeah. We all have days like that. How do that. you recover from it? Like, do you, you know, do you have anything special that you do or is it pretty much? Well, it's kind of funny that you said you give yourself two minutes. I kind of focus on the power of threes. Hmm. So, and everybody's different. I think it's really important to first understand yourself fully. Um, yeah. And so I always talk about like your five love languages because that's a Mm -hmm. book too. So if you've never heard of that before, I highly recommend you taking this quiz to learn what your love language is. Because for example, how you give love is different than how you receive love. Mm. Um, So, you know, you could be having a really bad day and you don't necessarily love gifts, but somebody at work brings you a free coffee. Receive it. Yeah. Because even though they're not speaking your love language, they're trying to express love to you. Mm -hmm. And so I think kind of realizing when things are going wrong or a stressful day, there are always going to be these other moments that are going to overpower that because people don't remember exactly what you say, but they remember how you feel. And that's Mm. an old saying, but it's so true. So even if your day started out with four hours of bad time, you had 18 hours that were going to be amazing. So let's focus on the rest of your 18 hours. So my power of threes is it could be what I was saying, knowing yourself, it could be three minutes. It could be three hours. Or it could be ultimately three days. Let's Mm. be real. There are some things in life that are going to upset you and it's going to take longer than three minutes for you to get over it. Yeah, for sure. So that's kind of my limit. So I'll do three hours, three days, three minutes, depending on what the situation is. Mm -hmm. Um, And also staying open to the power of threes because I feel like there's kind of a negative connotation that comes with that. You know, if somebody gets sick, it's like, well, that's one. Now the power of threes, what's next? What two things are going to happen next? But if you look, even as you're driving around town or maybe when you glance at the clock, sometimes you'll see the numbers completely line up. So like it's 444. Like 1111 or something like One, that. Yeah, exactly. Totally. <laughs> but those mean amazing things. Yeah. And if you see a number like that all the time, I always say the mm. number 444. And that's about making your dreams a reality. Mm. And I'm like, how fitting is that? Because I feel like I'm always constantly chasing my dreams. Mm. Um, and even like 111, and that's talking about the gates of opportunity being open. Hmm. So there are all these possibilities ahead. So power of threes, whether that be three minutes to get over something or seeing numbers out there, I think that's kind of helpful too. Well, I think it really points to listening, you know, what you're really talking about. And you were talking about it earlier too, 
uh, when, when we were talking some of those events that you went through is really being able to listen and pay attention, even with the, the observe before you serve. It's like, I think what, what it all points to is just being able to listen and being in tune with, with life. Because I think when things catch us off guard, things don't go the way they planned, you know, mm-hmm. people don't act the way we want them to, that kind of thing. It really plummets you into that survival brain, right? Like gets you right in the moment you're trying to tactically, okay, conserve resources, your emotions are flaring up. Yeah. But I think if you have developed a habit of listening, you know, like I, I'm the same way. I'll be driving on the freeway and I cannot tell you literally dozens of times, not even exaggerating, dozens of the times over the course of the last 10 years, maybe dozens of times I'll be thinking about something like either a, a situation in my mind or something yes. and literally either the song comes on totally like I'm driving Bumblebee the car or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I love a it. A song will come on the radio to to like give me the chorus of it's like literally like whatever whatever you want to believe in god universe doesn't matter something is speaking through that radio totally or somebody will drive past me with a license plate that says exactly you know yes I, like that's happened to me dozens of times i'm like okay like if i wasn't listening you know because one thing you talked about which is which i wanted to ask you about but i forgot which was about faith yeah you know faith is so important to being positive yes. i think ultimately because like you said, there's there's going to be times when things happen to you because we're, t- we're on a spectrum here. There's things that happen that are crummy and you shouldn't let that get to you every day. But there's things that genuinely happen that are very difficult to go through. And it's, totally. they're not going to be resolved in a day or two, maybe even a couple months. So ultimately, uh, in those times, I think on that side of the spectrum, when it gets to really challenging stuff, it's less about the tactical management of your emotions and more really about connecting to your faith. You know, what do you... And it doesn't have to be religious faith, but what do you believe in? Don't get sidetracked by, you know, the the the, the thing that's happening. Right. Set your eyes on the prize. Set your eyes on your purpose. Set your eyes on what inspires you. You know, like get back to what do you believe in? Yeah. And I think that's so important. And listening is a big part of that because if you're able to listen and see, you know, part of the world and see that there's – because when you, when you see these things and, you know, and you tell me what you feel, but – when I see, like, for example, I'm thinking of something, let's say I'm questioning, like, what should I do, whatever, and then there's a song that comes on and, like, totally makes me laugh. I'm like, totally. oh, my gosh. Like, this totally, for me, reinforces that there's some guiding path that I'm on. Again, totally. you can believe in whatever you want, but there's some order to this seemingly chaotic system. So, right. And that that helps you be more positive. It helps you ground back into your mission, your your purpose, your direction, whatever, in life. It totally does. And I agree with you 100%, which is why I say GPS, God's plan for success. (laughs) Because it always happens. There are signs literally every single place you look. Mm. You just have to be open to see them. Mm. If you're looking for an answer, you're going to find it. And it's probably going to smack you in the face. And you may not realize it at first, but you'll see it. And that's why people say, you know, your windshield is bigger than the rear view mirror. You may not understand it right now, Mm. but you will. Hindsight's twenty twenty. It will eventually all make sense. And it all happens for a reason so that you can impact other people. And with listening, I go back and I talk to students all the time, especially student leaders, because eventually in life, we're all like seagulls, right? Like we're flying in this V formation, but the bird that's at the front of the V always moves to the back. Hmm. So the, the front of the V is always somebody new. And that's kind of like life, right? Like you're going to be in these phases where you are the leader and then you're kind of following and then you tip, tip, tip and you create your own family. Then you become the leader of your household. Mm -hmm. So there are all these different situations where you're going to lead. So listen is what I say for the L. Empathy is for the E. Action is for the A. And D is for devotion. Because like you were talking about your passions, your faith, whatever that is, go ahead and test the waters. But once you find your passion, you should dive in. Hmm. And I really feel like you find your passion in serving others, but it's also hard because you kind of need to prioritize yourself because like you mentioned earlier, even the secret is a, you know, you can have it as an audio book or watch the video, but it talks about the synergy and you reflect in what you project out. Hmm. So what is your energy that you're putting out into the world? And you're going to get that back. You go and do something nice for somebody and you could start a ripple effect. It's not only going to feel good for you, because you got to see somebody smile from something that you just did, but then they'll go and then create this other cause and it's creating all these waves wherever you go and you're kind of creating this positivity pool. Hey, we did alliteration there (laughs) just for funsies. But I think that's really important. And so many times throughout my life too, I feel like 
everything has come full circle, even when I had the blood clot in my lungs. So that was my senior year. Hmm. And three months later from that, which is also interesting, have you seen threes already? So we've had the first three days that I was in the hospital, I was like a shell of myself. So for the people out there who believe in Jesus, it was like I died and rose again. Hmm. It was the third day. So how amazing is that? Three months later, I go ahead and audition for the Arizona Cardinals and I make the team. Wow. So there were threes again. How interesting. And so I am 18. I'm in the stadium giving my keynote speech at the stadium where the Cardinals play. Wow. And addressing my students thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to be here cheering in just a couple of months. And I went on to have an amazing career with the Arizona Cardinals. And I was there for five years captain for two, went and did show team. We performed all over the world wow. to perform for the troops, for their families, for anybody who is a veteran. And we went as far as Japan for one of our military tours. And that was so special. I would love to go to Japan. That's that's on my list. Oh, it's amazing. Everything looks like you're in a video game there. And I mean that <laughs> in the best way possible. Yeah. But there were like vending machines for everything. Like you had toilet paper and it was in a vending machine. Oh, <laughs> like so it was amazing. so much stuff that we don't even have here. It's, it's just Oh, crazy. totally. And the food was insane. Oh, I know. I can't... And healthy. It was very good. Um, but yeah, so we would go on these military tours and we get to see families reconnect for the first time after almost a year deployment and wow. just all these special moments. And I was selected to be part of the Pro Bowl, which is really rare. I actually have my Pro Bowl ring on. I wear it every day. Yeah, nice. Um, and so for football players, they get to go as many times as they're selected. So like Larry Fitzgerald, is, he's going to go 20 million times because he's just the greatest. But for cheerleaders, you can only go once ever for your team. If you're ever selected. Wow. So somebody could cheer 13 years and never get to go. So I cheered five seasons. My last season, I was selected. How, how do they select you? Like, what's the selection process? So it's different every single year. Sometimes the fans will vote. Sometimes your team votes. And then sometimes it's just an upper management selection. So upper management chose me to go, wow. which I was especially honored with. So it was funny because we did a junior cheer weekend and... We got to do all kinds of really cute stuff. Like the little kids would come and dance with us at halftime. We did other games where breast cancer survivors would dance with us. I mean, just everything. It's so amazing cool. and rewarding. But Junior Cheer was kind of my baby. And I ran that program for a few years. And so it was that weekend. And all the cheerleaders had flowers. And they came and ran up to me when it was announced. Wow. So it was so cute. It was like 200 little kids just hugging <laughs> on me and loving on me. So, so precious. But there were just all these amazing moments throughout the way. They always came full circle. And I just feel like it's so important for us to focus on impacting people because mm. I feel like that's what we're all here to do. We're here to impact each other's lives some way. And it really doesn't take much. We went through Disney employee training and they talk about going the extra 1%. And that's all it takes to exceed someone's expectations. So you could be going to a birthday party. Somebody expects you to bring a present. Well, bring a present and maybe snacks for everybody and mm. write a thank you note to the host and say thank you for putting the time and effort into doing all this and we appreciate you there you did it and I only like took that. you the a extra couple 1%, extra minutes it doesn't have to be this grandiose thing but just a totally. little bit extra yeah it, mm. it, and a prime example of it we just done disney employee training actually we may not have even done disney employee training my rookie year so this is when i'm freshly 18 i still mm -hmm. had a lot of medical issues from the blood clot so I was kind of a liability. I'm really grateful they took me on. <laughs> um, but I was at the draft party and we're all signing posters. There was a guy who was going down the line. There's like, you know, 30 of us-ish, somewhere around there. And this guy was walking down the line and he had this little boy behind him, hiding behind his legs. And so I was at the very end of the line. And I saw this little boy and I said, hey, do you want a poster? Well, he signed it for you. And so he looked at me and he kind of nodded his head. He was still shy. And so I took him. I stopped the line. There was a big line. I'm like, nope, we're taking you to the front. So we went all the way to the front. We went down the line. We signed this poster. We gave it to this kid. Years later, I'm at an event for a breast cancer event, uh, awareness. It was like a Relay for Life kind of walk. And one of the guys came up to me and I kind of remembered him from that appearance. And this is years later. And he was like, I just want to say that we never forgot what you did for our son. And you gave him this poster. We really appreciate it because he ended up passing away because he had cancer. Wow. And we, but we didn't know. We had no idea. And all it took was that extra 1% to wow. make sure that he got a poster. It was so such a small thing that made such a big difference for them. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's so what you said. Really, it's about is a quote by Tony Robbins I love, which is the, the secret 
to living is giving. Yes. You know, and it's like, I think with, with positivity, a lot of times this is a good, this is a good thing to talk about because for example, with being positive, we often think like, okay, like let's say I wake up tired or there's something like, you know, you get into me, me, me mode and what do I need to do to be positive? And you get, and sometimes it's even frustrating because you can't get yourself to be in a better mood or, you know, mm-hmm. more grateful or whatever else, but a way to sort of short circuit that or hijack that or redirect that very easily is just to do something for someone else to focus right. on what can you give, right? Is basically like it, it immediately, I notice like, I've tried this with myself, even though it's, it's not easy, but it's, it's very effective. Like when you're pissed off about something or something doesn't go your way, literally the first opportunity you have to do, let's say a random act of kindness or to do something like it totally distracts your brain from focusing on all the things that you're, uh, you know, upset about. So it flips the script immediately because you're not thinking about yourself and your problems anymore. Right. Uh, That said, my question for you is how do you balance you know, a life of service, right, of, of giving and, and really, let's say, living your passion for others and contributing to others with with yourself, you know, and sort of maintaining yourself and making sure that your battery is full mm-hmm. so you can give, right? I mean, that's that's really the dance between making sure that our battery is full and making sure that we can also continually be in contribution and, and have some meaningful service to others. Yeah. And that's really hard. And I honestly really struggle with it. Mm. (laughs) My husband would tell you that too. He would be like, this girl just never says no. And you know, I have the same problem, you know, because that's why I want to talk about it. Because for me, it's, it's been a real problem. Actually, everybody's different. You know, some, some people it's hard for you to say yes. Others, I think it's hard for you to say no, you know, and there's, it's not right or wrong either way. It's like whoever you are, figure out the opposite way and, and master that because the default way you're only going to be able to do that. So for me, it's always been difficult to say no, but I've had to really, because of that, it's also led to burnout. It's also led to situations where I I don't really want to do those things, but I ended up saying yes, just to be nice, you know, uh, you know, so I've had to learn like healthy boundaries. I had to learn how to say no so that I could preserve my energy and redirect it into areas that are more meaningful and, and not burn myself out on doing, you know, 10 million things for 10 different people. You know what I mean? So, yeah, for me (laughs) in your life, um, definitely I learning to say no has also been a hard thing for me, but I think it makes it easier when you know that. And I mentioned earlier, it's hard when you are living that life of service, but prioritizing yourself because Mm -hmm when you're serving, you're selfless. And so when you feel like you're taking a moment to yourself, then you're being selfish. And that's not really the case. I think you need to look at each situation and kind of dive through is whatever situation I'm about to be in, whether I was invited to, you know, an event or whatever, going to fill me up or is it going to deplete me? And that can help you gauge whether you need to say yes or no. Hmm. Because a lot of times you kind of feel this pressure to fulfill the needs of others and you forget about yourself. And so some of the situations I've even been invited to, if it has anything, any kind of negative energy, I just listen to my gut. I know that sounds kind of weird with talking about negative energy, but you can sense it. Yeah, I don't think it sounds weird at all. I mean, you can, it's palpable when something's not in alignment with totally with you, you know? Well, and I think a lot of times People just don't listen to their gut that way, though. I think that's what it is. I think we all feel it intuitively, but we shut it off. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, if you walk into a room and there's a little kid and he's angry, you can feel the energy, right? So can all the parents in the room, too, I'm sure. sure. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we were in self-defense training for the Arizona Cardinals, just because it's always good to know, especially when you're leaving appearances and things like that. But one of the women told us that she was going on a domestic dispute call and she had gone on this call several times before. So when it came in, it was almost routine, but her gut told her she shouldn't go, but she didn't listen to it and went Wait, anyway. She went where? Like to it a- was a house. It was like for a domestic dispute call. Okay. And so they called and she was supposed to go to this house and check in with this couple. She has checked in with them several times before because there was either violence or anger or some kind of thing. And so when she went to go this last time, and this was years and years ago, but she told us that before she even walked in, she had a feeling like she shouldn't go alone, but she did go alone because she just felt like it was routine at that point. Mm -hmm. So when she went inside, it actually turned into a really dangerous situation and she was almost killed while she was inside that house. 
but she was able to do some kind of maneuver and backup was close by and they were able to swoop right in just in the nick of time. And so she always talked to us about, and it's not just a women thing. Guys do this too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, But in the forest, like think of a deer. If a deer hears something crack like a branch or hears something in the woods, their heads will whip around and they'll be on heightened alert because Mm -hmm. now all of their senses are ready to figure out if it's fight or flight. And most of the time, they listen to it and they run. Hmm. But humans don't really have that transparency. I feel like we all kind of have this filter where we try to rationalize things that are happening and Hmm. maybe even talk through, oh, if I say no to this, then how's this going to look? And then you start to overanalyze and at least... You know, Oprah you bargain said, some some level of your self worth or something. Totally, yeah, yeah. Like over analysis leads to paralysis, and that is so true. Because when you're sitting there and you're trying to analyze, well, what am I supposed to be doing right now? That automatically means that you should not go. If it's taking you so long to make a decision, then that's how can, you can help decide as well. But I think just in those situations too, that was an extreme example, but really trying to listen to ourselves. Hmm. Because even my freshman year of high school, I remember telling my parents I had that feeling. I wasn't supposed to go to that gymnastics practice that night and I ended up breaking my neck. Hmm. So I think just trying to become really in tune with yourself is important. Do you do anything for that specifically? Like do you, how do you cultivate that personally? Like, what do you do to cultivate that sense of, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, many roads lead to Rome and like from my own experience, let's say with professional dancing, with, with using movement as a, as a training vehicle for sensitivity, I've learned the value of sensitivity in being able to be self-aware. And I think Mm -hmm. you see a lot of these old traditions like yoga and, uh, you know, Tai Chi and stuff, all these spiritual traditions, all of them emphasize the importance of having some sort of physical skill because it makes you more sensitive and sensitivity expands your awareness being able to listen more when you're very sensitive and aware you tend to pay more attention in general yeah so uh you know for me i think that's really valuable but what are some things you think people can do to cultivate i guess let's say two-part question to cultivate a listening to themselves maybe in your own experience what it's been effective for you and then i guess the second part would be what are some things people can do on a regular basis as habits or things that basically help them not veer off the deep end, you know, and maintain that, uh, that faith that we've been talking about, that sense of reframing, all these kind of things we've been talking about. So two part question, basically the first part is how can you cultivate that sense of listening to yourself? What do you do personally? And then what are some things you think people can do in general to kind of help themselves be more positive on a daily basis? Well, it, this is kind of something that may sound a little weird to other people who aren't this way, but I'm empathic. Mm-hmm. So I am all, I'm also kind of what they call a sensitive. So I've even had sometimes premonition dreams and that honestly helps me make decisions. Mm. Uh, so I know that's kind of extreme and not everybody has that ability. Um, and I'm also very sensitive, meaning, I mean, not what you say is going to hurt my feelings, but when I'm in a group, I know somebody's energy and Mm. I can read them right away. And so I think understanding that as a skill has helped me because Mm -hmm. at first I didn't totally understand it. Uh, But that has helped me as far as making decisions go. I don't know if that's a good answer for other people out there who are not that way, but there are other ways that you can kind of figure out how to keep yourself on track. Um, For me, obviously, faith is a huge one, but diving into your passions as well, like dancing for you. Mm -hmm. And it could be art. I love to oil paint. So I'm trying to get back into that and make and delegate time for it. Right. Because it's so hard to do that. Um, But also finding role models out there who you really or even mentors who can help you. Accountability buggies, I like to call them because I mean, it could be like a simple thing like, you know what, this week I'm not going to eat any chocolate. That's really hard for me. So if I feel the urge, (laughs) right? If I feel the urge, I'm going to text you, Tudor, and you're going to be like, don't eat the chocolate. Don't text me. I'm not going to be able to hold you accountable to that. (laughs) But I think getting accountability for you. (laughs) Right. Well, thank you. Teamwork. Right. But I think having accountability buggy really helps you. Mm -hmm. It helps you stay on track with making 
good decisions. I think surrounding yourself with cores, not only just in your friends and in your uh, family setting, but also in your work setting too, like safe places where you can actually have real conversations with people. But make sure your core isn't full of people who just support every single word that you say because you need to be challenged. Your real friends, your real family, your real coworkers who you can rely on are going to be the ones who keep you in check. So I think those are the best people to have around. Um, and I think finding those opportunities where if you like to listen to podcasts, if you like to read books, if you like to, you know, I love Oprah. So I love reading Oprah quotes. I love Walt Disney. I love reading Walt Disney quotes. And those kind of get Walt me Disney's going great. for the day. I love right? Walt Disney. Yeah. He's amazing. Brilliant. And I talk to people all the time about persistence. I read somewhere that he was denied over 300 oh, times. Yeah. Before his dream of creating the happiest place on earth became a reality. And I'm like, talk about persistence. People laughed at him. He thought it was a joke. I mean, and now he's like, Disney owns everything. (laughs) Right? Exactly. So you could be the next Walt Disney. You just never know. Um, But I also think another silly thing, and I actually brought a book out. So (laughs) I'm really blessed. In the platform that I'm in working for ABC 15 and for other news stations I've been to, I've been able to dedicate my life to serving others and impacting others. And that's what I care most about, making a difference. So it's simple things. But when Dr. Seuss Week comes about, we go to schools and we read to kids. Oh, cool. And I love that. And so third grade is kind of like the perfect age when you're reading to the kids. Um, But anyway, I went to a third grade class. This was like five or six years ago. And they were like, oh, will you read this one? It's called The Dot. Hmm. And I had never heard of this book before. Me neither. And so basically what happens, I won't read it, but it's really short. I could, but. Um, there's a little student in art class. The teacher says, okay, I want you all to make these masterpieces. So the student doesn't do anything. It's just a blank piece of paper. So the teacher comes over and she's like, oh, great. Is this a polar bear in a snowstorm? And like tries to make a joke. Right, right. Students like, I'm not good at art. I can't do this. And she's like, well, at least just put a mark down there. So the student draws a dot on it. And so the teacher asks the person to frame it. She puts it up in her classroom. It's framed with a really pretty gold embellishments and so the student comes back into class sees the dot and thinks i can do better than that so she makes all of these other paintings that are only with dots <laughs> they do this giant art exhibit of all of her artwork with these dots and another student comes in and says to her your artwork is so amazing i don't think that i would ever be able to do something like this wow <laughs> so she tells him well here's a piece of paper why don't you draw on it and so he said well i wouldn't be able to draw a straight line she says that doesn't matter just put a mark down So he draws like a squiggly line and she was like, I want you to sign it. And so it's like, I literally left this class and I was like, this is the best book ever. And I went out and bought it and it like totally changes your life. And I think it's really funny because I brought this up because when you go into the classroom settings, as an adult, your life is so chaotic. It's Mm -hmm. like controlled chaos and you get so overwhelmed and then you go and hang out with these kids. You put yourself on their level and at the end of the day the hardest decision they had to make was which book I was going to read. Life was so much simpler in third grade. Right? It's so crazy. And so their tough decision, which book I'm going to read, they chose this one. And we talked about the message afterwards, Mm. which is also great when you get to hear their feedback. And they're like, this is about getting unstuck and creating something new and, you know, all these things. And it was good because I'm sitting here looking at this. It was right around my birthday. And I'm like, life is such a masterpiece. It really is like a Bob Ross painting, you know? And when you're working with oil painting, if you mess up, you could take paper towel, wipe it off. accidents, right? (laughs) Yeah, totally. Happy trees. Like, we've got the whole thing. And it just continues to develop layer by layer Mm. and to something beautiful. And so I love going and reading children's books because at the end of every day, it will always have an inspiring message. There's there's always a... Yeah, I was going to say, all those kids' books, especially like Dr. Seuss and stuff, they're so wise in a very simple way you know if you really see the message underneath they're they're very profound yes i love all those books i haven't read one recently but i remember gosh we used to do some of that reading too for um i used to like tutor kids and that that was so rewarding because especially with kids you know there's an old quote by einstein which i love i love quotes i've been having to research them lately so i I love quotes too (laughs) hit me i love it well but anyway it's uh he's like if you if you can't explain something to a six-year-old, I'm probably butchering it, but it's something like this. Let's see, if you can't explain something to a six-year-old, then you don't know it well enough. True. Right? Yeah. So if you can't ex- if you can't teach a child what you're trying to, to teach, then you don't understand it well enough because to be able to relate something very profound in a simple way or right. let's say very condensed, very few words, 
that takes real understanding. So there's a lot of wisdom in those books. You know, now that you say that, I'm like, my answer to you first about trying to help people decide with my yes or no to (laughs) go to something or when to prioritize yourself wasn't good enough for a kid. So let's break it down and make it simpler. Okay. Let's make a list of pros and cons. Yeah. There you go. That's simple. Perfect. And then that way, whichever side of the list is bigger, you go with that one. Mm, Yeah, perfect. Because I do that a lot too. So you make a list. Let's say you have a situation where somebody invites you to do an event or whatever. Yes. Let's just use that as an example. Totally. And you're kind of conflicted about it. You make a list of pros and cons. Yeah. And then that helps you decide basically. Pros if you go, cons if you don't. Mm -hmm. And whatever side is bigger, that'll help you decide. Mm, And think of the person, people you're about to be with. If their energy lifts you up, then it's meant to be because you need to be better than best. Surround yourself with people who are better than you so you can rise. And if it's not, then that's your exit cue. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Awesome. Tudor, you're the Chelsea, best. Chelsea, you're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I need something. Now that they have that CRISPR gene, you're, you're going to be a hot commodity. We need to get your positivity genes. <laughs> Woo! I will gladly project it out there for everybody. Yes. I'm giving you energy and good vibes. All right. One more question. What are you yes. most grateful for today? <gasps> oh, that's so hard. I know. Because like you said so before, gratitude is the best attitude. And that's so true. I am really grateful for let's do three because I love three I'm really grateful for this opportunity to be chatting with you because I love your energy and I feel like you know when you go and do motivational speeches they say it doesn't matter how big the crowd is if you impact one life then you Mm. did your mission so hopefully somebody feels inspired today Um, I'm also grateful for my amazing husband because he is seriously the answer to to my prayers Brandon I love you with all my heart and we always say forever and always and always this is another full circle thing side caveat Mm. I'm sorry I'm taking I'm derailing us go for it yeah so he was on TV I was on TV different stations we saw each other on TV so it was like love at first sight we went you saw each other on TV yes that was when you first saw so we were like watching (laughs) each other on TV we hadn't even met yet we go to lunch and it was like doves were flying behind him. Wait, so when who I saw asked him who to time. lunch? He did. He asked you to lunch? Okay. Yep, he did good. So, and I drive a truck, so I felt all cool. I like parallel parked, you know, on the side of the road. And I was like, yeah, look at me. Anyway, he was in a Hummer at the time. It was valeting. So oh, they're taking whoa, the fancy. valet around. Yeah. Ooh. And then all of a sudden it revealed him and he was standing there with sunglasses. His jacket was, was flung over his shoulder. Baywatch moments, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. There were like doves flying behind him. And I'm like, oh my wow. gosh, I just met my husband. And it's funny because in our industry, we interview a lot of celebrities, but sure. I felt like, oh my gosh, I felt so nervous. That's funny. So huh? we went to lunch and it was crazy. We had all these similarities. He grew up in the same small town my dad is from hmm. in Kentucky. Which I'm like, what in the world? So his family grew up with my family. We had all of these things that were totally in common. Were you guys close to each other? Like, were you close when he was growing up? As far as uh, like proximity, was he close to you? So no, because my dad had moved out to Arizona. Oh, gotcha. And so at that point, he... I was going to say, because you hear about these people that literally get married for like 40 years. And they find out that before they knew each other, they were like next door neighbors. Yes. You know, and they suddenly meet some other state or something like that. Yes. So. <laughs> no, it's so true. Yeah. No, but his, he went to the same high school as and my dad went to the same high school as some of Brandon's relatives. Mm. And so it ended up being this whole thing where it was so full circle. And within two weeks, I knew I loved him already. Wow. And so I told one of his friends who was a mutual friend and he was like, you're crazy. You need to slow down. Anyway, <laughs> he was in our wedding and it it was just amazing how it all came to be. And the very night that Brandon told me he loved me for the first time, we were out at a restaurant at this resort in town, and we ended up getting married there. <gasps> wow. Isn't that crazy? This was here in Phoenix. Here in Arizona. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm just grateful for him because I really feel like he's the answer to my prayers, and it really was divine, That's and it great. is divine, and I'm so grateful for him. So I'm grateful for this situation. I'm grateful for Brandon, and I'm also grateful for... I'm going to say this is really vague, but I'm just really grateful for all of the opportunities that I've had Mm. in life because I really cherish them all. Like even when we were in Dallas, I put together a series where I could surprise kids with terminal illnesses and was able to see them enjoy all these big surprises weeks before they would pass away and 
you know, even here in the Valley, like I love what I get to do and I'm the smart shopper at ABC 15. So I'm always saving people money. <laughs> so I'm grateful. I'm just grateful for everything. Yeah, being every in day. a life of service and being able to live your passion. Totally. That's awesome. Sums it up right there. I love it. Such a pleasure to have you on this show. Thank you so much for, for Thank doing this. Thank you. Well, I love to tell people too, as a final thought, it's important to make a great first impression, but it's most important to leave a lasting one. Mm, so go out there one. and it. do something amazing for somebody. Love it. Awesome, Chelsea. Thank you. Love you, Tudor. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview. You know, maintaining a positive mindset, like we said, is so, so important so that you don't get robbed of your energy on a daily basis. You know, being able to be happy, joyful, childlike, grateful, all that stuff is so important for your motivation, for your creativity, for your relationships. Again, that's why I wrote my book, The Gratitude Map, and all this talk about positivity and appreciation, because we have to continually return to it in our busy lives as entrepreneurs, as career people, as, you know, people with lots of stuff on their plate. It's a constant reminder that we have to give to ourselves. You know, my goal with this interview was to inspire you to look at your own life from a positive lens, to remember the silver lining, and to remember that the key to a happy and successful life starts from within. If you like this with Chelsea, you can get a hold of her, like I said, on Instagram at Chelsea K. Davis or at Chelsea Davis TV on Twitter. She's also at the website ChelseaDavisTV.com. And if you're in a local Arizona area and you want to get some of those smart shopper deals, it's ABC15.com slash smart shopper. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with my inspiring guest, Chelsea Davis. You can share with me your biggest takeaway on Facebook or Instagram. That's at Tudor Alexander Official. And as always, if anyone in your life right now needs to hear this message, share it with them. You never know the difference that you can make. And of course, remember what Walt Disney said, all our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. I hope that this episode has inspired you to find the courage to act on your dreams, regardless of the failure and obstacles that we all experience inevitably along the way. Remember, life is happening for us, not to us. And it is our dance between success and failure that shapes our spirit. So remember, life is a dance. Stay positive and always try to dance it well. episodes and weekly content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.